Thank you, God. Thank you for that truth that you are for us and not against us. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who saves, you rescue, you deliver, you heal. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would do a mighty work in our lives individually as you have corporately. We thank you for all that you are doing, and we give you the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God does not want your past to cripple your future. Amen? Amen. That's the truth. He doesn't want your past to cripple your future, but many are hindered from their purposes that He has for us because of something that happened to us in our background. And so God wants you to be freed up and healed up from the, from the pains of our past. And some of those pains are things that someone did to us. Some of those are things that we did ourselves. And we, we, can't just, we just can't forgive ourselves. We can't get past this or that and the other. But I'll tell you, we have a God who heals. Amen? Amen. And He wants to free you from the bondage of your past. And uh, we've been looking at Luke chapter 4, we're going to continue to look, look at Luke chapter 4, because it is the vision the Lord has given to us at Sand Springs. Uh, I, I think it's a universal church, but uh, uh, for us this is our, our path that pathway that we're going to walk in. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus quoting Isaiah 61, He's, uh, He has come to His hometown synagogue is given the, the scroll of Isaiah and begins reading right here, Isaiah 61, and he is telling us this is his mission. It's his mission statement, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We've broken this down into five separate things that he's told us that he is doing and that he wants to do through his church. Amen? First week we talked about what it is to have the Spirit of the Lord upon us. And to anoint us to do, because that's, that's what He anoints you for. Just know that. The Holy Spirit does not come upon you and anoint you so that you might feel good. Have warm fuzzies. Man, what that, didn't that feel good? No, it's, it's for the equipping to do His purposes. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of the anointing. The anointing precedes the appointing. That makes sense? It's not just so that, man, didn't, did you feel that at church today? Absolutely. He must be equipping you to do something. He must be equipping you to do the work of the ministry. So, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to, number one, preach the gospel to the poor. What we're going to see today in this passage of Scripture is there is a progression. There is a progression. The Pharisees were a very religious people, and they looked very religious and pious and like they had all their stuff together. But they were an outside working toward the inside mentality. Jesus got on to them for it. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. On the outside you painted up pretty good, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. And he talks to them pretty hard sometimes. He said, you take the cup and you clean the outside and think that makes it clean and you're fit to be used. But he said, if you clean the inside, the outside get washed also. Anybody ever had a cup on the outside? Look, some people talk about my coffee cup. <laughs> my coffee cup. I don't ever have to worry about somebody taking my cup. I don't wash my cup. Somebody looked at it and said, that looked like it had been burnt. No, it's just seasoning. See, it's seasoned. <laughs> I don't have to worry about somebody messing my cup. Uh, but Jesus says, if you clean the inside, 
The outside will be clean also. What we're going to do, we're going to do this again. We do this all the time. Body, soul, spirit. You can, you're going to be able to do this in your sleep. All right? You have a body. It consists of five senses. Taste, taste, touch, smell, sight, sound. And so you have a body. And I don't say that you are a body because you are not a body. You are a soul. When that body dies, the soul lives on. You have it for a season. But you have a body. It is your center of world consciousness. Because you have a body, you can touch things, you can hear things, you can, I could taste it, I'm not going to. So, your soul. The soul is the center of self-consciousness. You, you have a th- an intellect, you're a, th- a thinker, <laughs> I think, therefore I am. You have emotions, and you have a will, the ability to choose the ability to choose. So you have a body, you are a soul, and you're spiritually dead until you've been born again. When you become born again, you've now moved from spiritual death to spiritual life because God who has, has rescued us, saved us, redeemed us, transforms us into now what was spiritually dead to spiritually alive. It is your center of God consciousness. Jesus told Nicodemus, the Pharisee, in, in, in John chapter 3, Unless you've been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you've been born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so you have no spiritual ability to understand this word until you've been born again. You have no ability to hear from God until you've been born again. So it is is the three-part person. You're all three-part person, but some are still one part dead until you've been born again. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What is the purpose of the gospel? To redeem the sinner so that they might come to salvation in Jesus Christ. So it's an inside-out approach that if He saves and redeems the Spirit, then we move to the soul because look at the process. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, that means poor in spirit, humble before God. And then he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Remember, you have intellect, emotions, and will. The Bible tells us that we are, to, we are to maintain our heart because out of it flow all the issues of life. It's a heart issue. I'm telling you, if you don't maintain this heart, you're going to have problems in life because out of it flows all the issues of life. Heart issue. And so, first, we want to get somebody saved so that they can be spiritually redeemed, but then we need to get them whole. Let's look at that passage of Scripture again. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. To, uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I looked up each one of these words in the Hebrew. I wanted to get all the good out of them. Amen? Like some of y'all with a piece of bubble gum. He's going to get all the good out of it. Just get every bit of it. So I'm looking up that word heal, and it is to make whole. To make whole. Nothing broken, nothing lacking. Amen? To make whole. And then this business of the heart, to heal the brokenhearted. The heart is the fountain or seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, and endeavors. And so if my heart is still hurting over my past wounds, over my offenses, over my uh, whatever, hurts, habits, hang-ups, if my heart is still wounded, even though I've been born again, I'm still stumbling through this life. Y'all with me? And God wants you to be free, whole, victorious. He wants all of that for us. 
living out the purpose that He has for us. So, uh, we, we need to get saved, but then we need to go back to this area of the heart. We need to get this thing healed up. Anybody in here ever had a broken heart? Every one of you. Every one of you. My, my grandmother, shortly before she passed, uh, I was sitting on the edge of her hospital bed, and she told me about when her mother passed. And she grieved so hard that she tore a valve in her heart. She had a broken heart. The, the, the soul issue led to a physical issue. And so when we look at the progression that is given to us in Luke chapter 4, it, it makes so much sense. And he says, I want to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted. Now, why do we do it in this order? So let's look at the order. Number one, we want people saved, whole, delivered, healed, and restored. That's the five. Saved, whole, delivered, healed, restored. Number one, they got to get spiritually born again. Number two, they got to get these soul issues worked out. And then this business of deliverance. Don't you think that you don't have a demon problem? I, I know. It's quiet. You say, I'm not demon possessed. Some of y'all, I might differ. But anyway, <laughs> it, no. But you are harassed. You're harassed. You're constantly being harassed. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So there are, and, and some of us, the reason we're harassed is because we opened a door, and the reason we opened a door is because we have a wound. It begins to make sense. And that because of the hurt that someone did to me, now I'm opening the door, I have unforgiveness in my heart, and with that I am now being harassed by a spiritual entity. And you know what? Jesus used this as a parable. And, and, and so if you struggle with this, just get biblical. Jesus used this as a parable. And he said, if you won't forgive others your sins, your sins, or their sins, your sins will not be forgiven either. Brother Hansi preached on it last Sunday. He said, they will be handed over to the torturers. Who do you think those guys are? Who do you think they are? <laughs> they're, not, they're not physically. God's not going to physically throw you in jail and have some people poking you with a stick. <laughs> but your sins are an open door, and as you open up to the enemy, he brings hell with him. So when we look at the progression of things, we need to get work inside out. We get the spirit redeemed. We need to get the soul healed up from these wounds in which we keep leaving an open door for the enemy to come bring hell into our life. And so that's why the progression, saved, uh, 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 restored uh, with the soul, delivered, whole, that's the word, whole, delivered, why don't I do it the opposite way? Because if I'm not healed up in my soul till I start closing that door, then the enemy just continues to come through and come through. And I might as well have a revolving door, and he continues to come back. And also know this, that some of the physical ailments that they have, we see it in the Gospels, some of the physical ailments they have were demonically caused. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration with his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. They're with his other disciples. They got this boy who's having seizures. His daddy brings the boy to the disciples, he keeps throwing himself into the fire. He keeps throwing himself in the water, trying to drown himself. He's having seizures. What does Jesus do? Cast the demon out. It was demonically influenced. It was caused by the spiritual. And so what you're seeing in this progression, first we've got to get them saved, got to get the soul healed, then get them delivered, 
that demonic garbage. Then the physical healing. Then the physical healing. Because what good would it do to heal the physical when they still have a soul issue that continues to open? Some of us have physical ailments because we have a soul ailment. Some of you have back pain because you are still holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness. I know it because I was one of those guys here on a Saturday night uh, asking the people, I was fixing to ask our prayer team, I thought, man, I'm hurting. And then I was reminded of that spiritual principle. Sometimes we are dealing with physical ailments because of a soul issue. And I said, you know what? I'm holding unforgiveness against somebody. Somebody did me dirty. So I sat right back in that area, did business with the Lord. All right, Lord, I forgive them. (laughs) And you know what? My back pain went away. So why would I go over here into the area of physical healing when I hadn't dealt with this area of the soul? Because if I get it healed physically, the, the wound is still open, the offense is still there, and we're just going to go back to it again. Now, that was four, physical healing, and then finally the fifth one is restoration. Let's look at this passage of Scripture, Luke 4, and it says, "...in recovery of sight to the blind, physical healing, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and connected to it is verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord." This is speaking of the Lord's jubilee year. Every 50th year in the land of Israel was the year of restoration, in which all debts were removed. If you were sold into slavery because you were indebted, that you, you were, we were set free. All lands that were having to be sold off were restored back to your family. Year of Jubilee. And that's what that reference is there in that passage of Scripture. So I need to get my spirit born again. I need to get my soul healed. I need to get delivered from the demonic harassment that happens around me or in me. And then I need to get physically healed because God wants us whole. But then even beyond that, our resources and our relationships. Sometimes the reason our families are in hell was because of iniquity that's been passed around from generation to generation. And please understand this word iniquity. It's how you're bent. Sometimes it's what you were raised up in has had such an influence on you that you can't seem to quit doing this. I can't get control of my mouth. I can't get control of my anger. I can't get I can't, I can't, because you were raised up in this. And you know it's not right, but you just can't seem to get victory over it. Everybody tracking with me a little bit? Some struggle with this theologically, but it's not hard to understand. If a wind keeps blowing a certain way, then that tree's going to grow that direction. Everyone is responsible for their own sins, but iniquity is not necessarily sin committed. It is a propensity towards it. I use, see how I use that big old word? I mean, I threw it right in there. <laughs> I am prone to do that. Why? Well, I actually learned a lot of it back home. And my, 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 my parents may have done it because they learned it from their parents and on down the line. But the enemy has come in and took a, a, a foothold in your family, and then it developed into a stronghold, and now he has built a fortress by which to lob stuff at you constantly. And so we want you completely restored. Your resources, your relationships, God wants all of that back. The enemy stole it, and God said, I want it back. I want my kids to have it back. It wasn't Satan's to take. I want them to have it back. So, that was a good introduction. Let's get started. (laughs) 
So <laughs> Jesus says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, and that's why it follows right after salvation. Y'all see it now? I just share with you the full progression. I'm not going to do this again next Sunday. I share with you the full progression. Why does right after salvation does my soul need to be healed? Because right here is the center place, center place of all decisions, the mind, the emotions, and the will. And whether I walk in the flesh or whether I walk in the spirit will be determined by right here. Guard your heart, for out of it flows all of the issues of life. That's why Jesus goes straight from salvation to let's get this thing healed up. Those old wounds by offenses, those things that you've committed and now you just can't forgive yourself, or those that have committed against them, uh, you and you can't forgive them, those, those things that, that have been tripping you up, hurts, habits, hang-ups, right here. We've got to get healed up here, or we're going to continue to trip over this right here. Everybody with me? Say amen if you are. Oh, me if you're not. All right, let's go. Now, I want to look again at, at uh, Luke 4, but I want to flip over to uh, actually to Isaiah 61. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm going to drop down. We've read, read all of that uh, about three times now already this morning to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And look at verse 2. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Jesus didn't talk about that vengeance business. Did y'all forgive that he was a vengeful God? Oh, yeah, he jacked somebody up. God is a warrior, the Bible says. He messed somebody up. And Jesus just kind of, he stopped. And he stopped short for a reason. Because where he next goes after that verse of Scripture is important, and we're going to look at it in just a second. But this business of him being a warrior and that he is vengeful. He, does, he started this planet, he started humanity with the intent of his glory flowing through us. And the enemy comes along and sabotages his system, but he knew he would because he's infinite in his knowledge. And, and so he is now going to get his glory back. Amen? He's getting his glory back. And, and there's, there's going to be uh, a payment for the sins, but Jesus took it on your behalf. In the Old Testament, this is pre-Jesus. In the book of Isaiah, he was going to get his glory back for the nation of Israel, and there would be some payment for it. But then when it comes to me and you, guess what? Jesus paid it all. Amen? Oh, I, I like the idea of God taking vengeance on somebody. I really do. When it comes to this business of forgiveness, I I really like, oh, Lord, you know, they, they mistreated your baby boy again. So, uh, Lord, I want to I wanna get in the advisory position and suggest you sick them. That's what I want. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, sometimes, I, I'm not a pacifist. I'm not, uh, uh, some of y'all can tell that. Uh, you know, I learned something the other day. It's totally off the subject. But uh, y'all know why, y'all know why uh, Amish people don't have mustaches? They have a good glorious beard, you know, but they won't have a mustache. And I didn't realize it's because they're pacifists. They don't believe in going to war. They don't believe. I got me a mustache. I'll jack somebody up. Anyway. <laughs> I, did, I was in the military. I'm not a pacifist. I didn't, I'm not a conscientious objector. I object to pacifists. That's what I object to. <laughs> Sorry. I got a little fleshly. See, I got over here on this side. 
this morning. But here's what the passage of Scripture says, the day of vengeance of our God. God does not like when you're mistreated. He don't like it. He did not like when the nation of Egypt mistreated the nation of Israel. And when, when, when Jesus was still in Mary's belly, just brand new, she starts quoting passages of Scripture. She starts pro- prophesying and saying that the oppressed, the oppressed were going to be restored. That, that Jesus was going to bring restoration. He, she was talking about how the poor were going to prosper and how those who were mistreated were now going to be glorified. It, it all goes back to the, the, the mentality of that Jesus will absolutely change, change everything in our lives. The day of vengeance for our Lord, but look at verse 3. It goes back just immediately to console those who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You ever seen somebody just walk around with a spirit of heaviness? They just can't seem to stir up any joy about them whatsoever. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe it's you. <laughs> maybe it's you. And I'm going to tell, tell you how you can get there, that, that spirit of heaviness. Just watch the news. Just watch the television. Pretty soon you will have a spirit of heaviness. Why? Because it's constant bombardment of the world, and it will bring you down into heaviness and, 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 and it's just get you depressed. I love what Corey Tim Boone said, look at the world and you'll get distressed. Look within, you'll get depressed. But you look to him and you'll find rest. Amen. Amen. Let's look to him. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be, like, may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaves also will not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. It's not a bad word. Even though some have misused it in a, in a health and wealth gospel, it's God wants you to prosper. He wants to restore everything the enemy stole from you. He wants you to be a good steward of his resources so that he can bless you, so that you can bless other people. He wants you to. He goes on to say, the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. That's Psalm 1 passage. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment but God knows of the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous. Amen. He wants to restore. He wants to heal. He wants to, to bring into victory and wholeness. But here's how we're going to have to do it. I cannot in a 25-minute sermon give the full step to soul care steps and to how to be whole. But I'm going to tell you in one, in one uh, word how you can really get this area of your life healed up. Healing comes through humility. Healing comes through humility. Humility is healthy. Last week our African friend, Brother Hansi, 
talked about forgiveness. I didn't tell him what to preach on, didn't tell him what I was preaching on. But God orchestrated that thing where it fit right perfect in my sermon series. I almost didn't preach the sermon series because I had Brother Hansen coming in the middle of it. And I, and I, I was planning on the, what I was preaching when, and, and our friend was coming. I'm like, I don't like breaking up my series. I didn't. God just fixed it. Fixed it. And so let's come back to this business of forgiveness. Once I've been saved, I need to deal with the issues of the soul. And how do I do that? Through humility. He talked about forgiveness. Here's where forgiveness comes in. Humility leads to the blessings of the Lord because if you are proud, you think that you have the right to judge those who have created offense. Humility says, I do not have the right to judge. Think about it. You don't have the right to, I am a lousy judge. I just told you I'm fleshly. I just told you I like the idea of God getting them. I just told you that in my own flesh, I, will, I, I, tell, I tell it all the time. Here's my prayer. Lord, they messing with your baby boy. Get them. An explosive case of diarrhea. That's what I want them to have, God. <laughs> I've been now told that that's a wrong prayer. I don't know. But my prayer was, don't kill them, God. That was my mercy part. But make them want to die. That's what I want. <laughs> so, in my flesh, I'm a lousy judge, and you are too, if you were honest. You don't know the motive. You don't know the hurt that's behind it. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know anything. You don't know if God's trying to get their attention, and because he's turning up the heat, they turn on the heat. You don't know what's going on. You're a lousy judge. It may have been nothing at all, but because of the harassment of the enemy, you concocted a story in your mind. And now you hold offense to them, and they meant, no, they meant no harm whatsoever. You're a lousy judge. And because of that, it, you also, you don't have the authority to do it. Only God has the right to judge. And so humility comes along and says, uh, by the way, that business of unforgiveness, you don't have a right to hold offense. You don't have the right. It's not yours. It's not your job. It's not your position. You surrender that to the Lord and release it. Humility. Until you get there, you won't get past this area of wound of the heart or the, the tortures of your mind. Can you not just... Man, you can, you can torture yourself thinking of all the scenarios and all of the, I mean, can you not? Maybe y'all not like me. I can just sit there and think on it and dwell on it and spend hours and hours just playing that over and over in my head, the offense that was committed. But you're tethered to that offense until you submit to the Lord and say, Lord, you do it however you want to do it. My hands are off. I humbly submit this to you. I don't have the right to judge. Number two, when it comes to my life, so when it comes to this business of getting my soul whole, I don't have the right to hold offense because I don't have the right as judge. Only God does. But number two, when it comes to the area of being healed, to being healed in my soul and to, to move forward in victory, I don't have the ability to heal me. I don't have the ability. 
Maybe some of you, that's very clear because you've tried everything under the sun to fix it and you still can't fix it. That hurt, that habit, that hang up, you've tried everything under the sun and you st- it still won't go away. I keep doing the thing I don't want to do and I can't seem to make myself do the thing that I want to do. Sounds like scripture, doesn't it? Sounds like Paul in Romans chapter 6. He said, well, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? That's a good question. Who, Paul? Tell me. (laughs) And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So through humility, I say, I don't have the right to be judged. And what they did to me, that's, I, I submit that to the Lord. And then through humility, I come back and say, Lord, I can't fix this. I'm going to turn my eyes upon you, Lord. I'm going to fix my attention on you. I'm not going to fix my attention on my issues. I'm not going to fix my attention on my weaknesses. I'm not going to fix my attention because your your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts, soul. And if your strongest thoughts are continually rehearsing that offense over and over again, or your weaknesses over and over again, yeah, I just can't do it, I just can't, whatever. Wherever the direction of your strongest thought, that is the direction of your life. And so where do we need to direct our life? To the very one who wants to see us saved, whole, delivered, healed, and restored. Let's turn our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Amen. I need to trust him with it. Isaiah 53. Everybody, uh, we're going to do, we're going to have communion again in just a second. And in having communion, we often look at Isaiah 53. And it says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. When we take that bread, we're reminding ourselves that our physical healing, through the tearing of his flesh, he purchased our physical healing. But just know that it's not your body only that he wants to heal. It's your soul. Because if we back up to verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. So you think you were despised? Jesus was too. You struggle with being rejected? Jesus was too. Uh, you, You struggle with sorrows? Jesus is a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, and he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. What does that mean? We're like, well, you know, so he got, he got tortured. What does that got anything to do with me? He's telling you what it has to do with you. He did it for you. He did it for me. It says he was despised, he was rejected, he was wounded, but he carried our grief. He carried our sorrow. He was, we say, oh, he's just smitten by God. He's afflicted. No, God says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Amen. Turn our eyes on to Jesus. Recognizing that all that he went through was not just for your physical healing, but also for your soul to be healed. The very first thing after he says, preaching the gospel to the poor, is to heal the brokenhearted. Why? Because all of the issues flow from your heart. Until we get that healed up, 
then we are going to be hindered from all the purposes and plans that he has for us. And he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But if I can't get past this, then I'm tethered to that old past. I'm tethered to that old stuff. And he wants to heal that too. He wants to set you free from that too. He wants you completely whole. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you sent Jesus not just to get us into heaven, but that while here on earth, we are about the purposes and plans you have for us. We're about bringing your kingdom to earth. Lord, I thank you that you have come to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, there may be some broken hearts in the room right now. Every one of us have dealt with issues of the soul. And most of us are dealing with issues of the soul right now. Some may be to the point of uh, just, just not even know how to make it from day to day. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you, the healer, the deliverer, the redeemer and restorer. I pray that we would turn to you rather than turn from you to the world or to our own devices. This very holy moment could be the moment in which we truly get set free, in which we truly get healed, in which we truly become whole. Help us, O oh Lord, to do what we can't do ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.